0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Ubaldi Reports. Now, this is about the craziest election cycle we've ever seen running for president, especially in the last number of years. Now, in previous podcasts, we've also talked about the Democratic uh, candidates running for president, Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. This podcast, we're pretty much going to spend primarily talking about the Republicans. Now, the Republicans held their debate on Thursday And this was the 11th debate, and really the establishment does not want Donald Trump to win. Now, a lot of reasons, they have a lot of reasons behind it. They see that Donald Trump is widely unpopular among the minority communities, among women, and other groups that the Republican Party needs if they're going to retain the White House. But they're also looking at other races that could impact the presidential election if Donald Trump is the nomination, The biggest one is, will the Republicans be able to keep their majority in the the Senate? And lesser degree, will they be able to keep their majority in the House? Some of the experts believe if Donald Trump is the nominee, they would lose the Senate and potentially lose the House. So obviously, they do not want Donald Trump as the nominee, and they're doing everything they can to distance himself from that. But... This race, I mean, this campaign has been interesting. Pundits have been thinking Donald Trump will phase out or implode on his own. But for I think they've underestimated the, the impact that he's had, especially under a lot of individuals are just frustrated with the establishment Republicans, and they just are lashing out at them and are jo- joining up with Donald Trump. But throughout this campaign— The one group and the one um, entity that has done a deplorable job in the coverage of this race is the media. Now, this podcast is not here to bash the media one way or the other, but the media is just not asking the tough questions. Now, again, we've looked at some of the Republican, excuse me, the Democratic candidates, Sanders and Clinton. This time, we're going to focus on the Republican race. And some of the questions that they're just not asking all the candidates. Now, the big top issue, especially on Thursday's debate, was immigration. But before we got to that, the media just went at it with these candidates on who said what, the, um, the rhetorical arguments, who said what against this. They would ask questions, you know, Mitt Romney said this about Donald Trump. Cruz said this about Donald Trump. Rubio said this about Cruz and Trump. And they're just getting into theatrics and not getting to the heart of the matter, which the American people are concerned about. is That is jump-starting the economy, creating opportunities in America. So it just doesn't seem their lives are fading further and further behind. Now, many people believe, or at least parents believe, their children will have a a worse opportunity than they did. It's like the first time in decades or in generations that the next generation will far wor- be far worse off than the current generation. And the media just feeds into this. They're not asking the tough questions. Now, if you listen to the pundits after the Republican debate, they just talked about theatrics and who said what, how they came across. They really didn't discuss the issues. Now, if you read the transcripts of the debate, It gives a far different story. Nothing was talked about on the core issues of what they would do. And again, none of the candidates were challenged when they did make a pronouncement. Now, on immigration, now it sounds like in this podcast I'm going to be really slamming Donald Trump. And the only reason is not that I have anything against him as a candidate. I'm not supporting any candidate. Because I think it's impractical as someone who's covering the political campaign that I should take a stand. But since Donald Trump is leading the Republican race, he should be taken to task on some of his pronouncements. Now, on immigration, he's not been forthright of what he would do. Now, the big thing he said, especially last week on a CNN debate, Wolf Blitzer pointedly asked him, you've always stated that you would build a wall around the American-Mexican border, and Mexico would pay for it. Then he played a tape by the former president of Mexico, Vincente Fox. And Vincente Fox used a very strong adjective, and I'm not going to go into on this podcast, but he used some strong, colorful language, and I'm sure you're all getting what I'm meaning. And he said, we're never going to pay the United States for that wall. Now, that wall is going to cost about $8 billion. Well, Donald Trump responded back, challenged the moderators for asking an unfair question. Then he challenged um, Vincente Fox for using a very harsh term in a um, a media, especially on Telemundo, where it was covered. And then Donald, and he said Vincente Fox should apologize for using that language. Then he criticized Telemundo, who listens to Telemundo, but nobody challenged him on, when he didn't answer the question, how are you going to get Mexico to pay $8 billion for a wall along the Mexican border? How is Donald Trump going to deport 11 to 12 million illegal immigrants currently in the United States? What actions is he going to take in beyond the rhetoric? And the other candidates are just as well. Cruz and Rubio go at it with each other because Marco Rubio was part of the gang of eight that tried to put comprehensive immigration, and it failed, and they challenge them on, and it goes back on who said what, when they said, and I think it's hard for the American people to follow. It's even hard for me to follow who said what, when they said it, and how they said it. But no one's asked the, the, the issue is, how do you reform the immigration system? Well everybody think well, everybody knows it's broken. And the one question, nobody on both parties asks this question: What is the United States currently doing? to assist Mexico and Central America, where most of the immigrants come from. Now, the reason I say that is my father was an immigrant from Italy. He came to America after World War II. His country, Italy, was destroyed because of the war. If you go back to the history of immigration to America, starting in about the 1840s with the Irish immigration, it was always precipitated in the host country. There was something, either economic, political, or whatever the cause forced Ameri- forced immigrants to come to the United States why do immigrants come to the United States from Mexico and Central America because they believe a better life is in America and they see drug the drug cartels extreme violence extreme corruption so if the United States ever wants to stop the flow of immigrants they need to do they need to work with Mexico and Central America to Fix their countries. Now, this may be a daunting task, and everybody says that's more pie in the sky. But unless something happens, we're still going to see immigrants flowing here from those countries. So we can either spend the money here, or we can do something and be proactive and solve and work with these countries or force these countries to take care of their own citizens. So these are the things nobody's talking about. But the next issue that really raised eyebrows, at least for me, because I served 30 years in the Marines with combat tours to Iraq and Afghanistan, was the Middle East and ISIS. Now, in the Fox News debate, Brett Baer was one of the moderators of the debate on Fox News. He pushed this question to Donald Trump as it regards... Dealing with um, interrogations, dealing with ISIS, and dealing with a, a few issues. Now I'm going to read the actual question that Brett Bear posed to Donald Trump, just to make sure we have it all in context. Now it starts off. This is Brett Bear, Mr. Trump. Just yesterday, almost 100 foreign policy experts signed on t- to an open letter refusing to support you saying you're embracing expansive use of torture is inexcusable. General Michael Hayden, former CIA director, NSA director, who was in the Bush administration and other experts have said that when you ask the U.S. military to carry out some of your campaign promises, specifically target, targeting terrorists as family, and also the use of interrogation methods more extreme than waterboarding, the military will refuse because they have been trained to turn down and refuse illegal orders. So what would you do as commander in chief if the U.S. military refused to carry out those orders? Now, Donald Trump responded, they won't refuse. They're not going to refuse. Excuse me. They're not going to refuse me. Believe me. Now, he never clarified how is he going to get the military when you're going to go beyond waterboarding. This is what the the, the, um, the moderator never pressed him on. If waterboarding was such a controversial tactic during the Bush administration, what techniques would you go beyond waterboarding? Explain to me what would you were doing. And the military, correct, cannot put um, – put forth or not, um, uh, what am I, the word I'm looking for, begin or act on an illegal order. So what would he do? How would he get the military to respond? Now, Trump continues and says, let me just tell you, you look at the Middle East, they're chopping off heads, they're chopping off heads of Christians and everybody else that happens to be in the way. They're drowning people in steel cages, and he now, we're talking about waterboarding this really started with a, with a ted a question was asked of ted this is ted cruz two debates ago about waterboard and ted was you know having a hard time with that question to be on, totally honest with you then they came to me what do you think of waterboard i said it's fine and if we want to go stronger i'd go stronger because frankly now, there's applause that's the way i feel can you imagine can you imagine these people these animals over in the middle east that chop off heads sitting around talking and seeing that we've had a hard problem with waterboarding, we should go for waterboarding. We should go go tougher than waterboarding. That's my opinion. And then Brett Bear goes into like targeting terrorist families. The one thing that Brett Bear never followed up on is, Mr. Trump, this goes against the law of war. This goes against the Geneva Convention. We are all a signatory. The United States is a signatory to that. Now the one thing that the other Republican candidates but no one could take that that issue because they've never served in the military. I would challenge Mr. Trump. He seems to be strong on the use of force, but he went to a very prestigious high school military prep school and he equated that to military service. Well, everybody in the military was like, you got to be kidding me. Then he received four deferments from Vietnam. Not um Donald Trump was born 1946. That makes him 20 years old in 1966. He had four deferments that kept him out of Vietnam. Now he wants to be very active in using military force. He has two sons who are around the age of 30. They're old enough to have been in the military at any point to the time after 9/11. So everyone seems to be eager to use the military when that's someone else's son or daughter. My question is, how can the military take you serious when you make these pronouncements about targeting terrorist families, extending the use of waterboarding and other harsh interrogation techniques, which you haven't specified what those were, how do we take you serious as commander-in-chief when all these things were taught in the military about the law of war, the Geneva Convention, which we are a signatory to? These are the things Donald Trump um, needs to be asked. And then the other aspect, what is a Donald Trump vision or what's a Republican vision to to add into the other candidates' vision for foreign policy? We talk about tactics and we talked about operational tactics, meaning this is what we're going to do and this is who's going to do it from the military standpoint. But nobody, and this is on both sides of Democrats and Republicans, have really articulated what they see as a foreign policy vision for the United States. Far too often, it's always the use of military force or nothing at all. The military should not be the first option. Now, Clausewitz, who was a famous military theorist in the 19th century, he basically said the military is another extension of a political strategy. You're just using the military to conduct that for, that that strategy. So my question is to the candidates on both sides: What is your political strategy for the Middle East? Now, the Democrats they go back and forth. Bernie Sanders says ah, we should defeat ISIS, but I didn't vote for the war in Iraq. And Hillary Clinton said I wouldn't do. What George Bush did, Bush lied to us, got that. But no one's articulated what they would do. Now, again, Donald Trump mentioned that Afghanistan was a mistake. Now, I served two tours over there. I don't remember Donald Trump criticizing the use of um, American forces when we went into um, Afghanistan my first year in 2001 and 2002. So my question is for him, when did you say you were against it? Again, he mentioned the Iraq war was wrong. But on a Howard Stern interview, a year after 9-11, he said, Howard Stern, do you believe we should go in the the Iraq war? Well, I guess so. But we should have finished the, the, the issue back in 1991 in the first Persian Gulf War. But again, he never articulated what that meant. What did you mean we should have finished it? How? What would you have done? I mean, you could talk about what I wouldn't have done. What would you do? What would you do currently to solve the, the issue in Iraq? What would you do currently to defeat ISIS? You talk about bombing ISIS, but what replaces ISIS once you take out ISIS? How would you d- take care of Assad? How would you do with the Arab the Arab nations who see Iran as a threat? You put all these pronouncements, but it's just more rhetoric than a com- comprehensive strategy even former Secretary of Defense Robert Gates he mentioned both Donald Trump and um Ted Cruz use these bombastic um, arguments we're going to bomb the like Ted Cruz said, we're going to bomb until the sand glows. What does that mean? and Robert Gates has said with you know paraphrasing of course, that the arguments that are using are just ridiculous they're not coherent strategy. And we're not getting that from either party. We're just getting, well, I didn't do this. It's almost like they're relitigating the Iraq war. And everybody needs to realize everybody supported that war. If you look at the votes, even those who were against it still believed Iraq had weapons of mass destruction. But go back to those who supported it uh, Secretary Kerry voted for the Iraq war, but he voted against the first Gulf War. Joseph Biden voted for the Iraq war, but voted against the first Gulf War. Hillary Clinton voted for it. Harry Reid voted for it. Dianne Feinstein voted for it. Senator Chuck Schumer of New York voted for it. A lot of the Democrats voted for it, but now they're trying to change. I was misled. Even Hillary Clinton said she voted for it, but that I... I voted for something different. George Bush lied to us. I mean, the authorization to use force was plain and simple. We need candidates who are going to express what they would do, what their strategy is, what their vision for U.S. foreign policy. Do you believe we should be engaged in the world? If you do, explain that to the American people, how you believe we should be engaged in the world. If you believe we should be disengaged, how would you do that? We can attack Barack Obama's foreign policy all we want, but it doesn't give us a vision how you see the United States. How would a Trump, Cruz, a Rubio, a um, Kasich, uh, Carson, I know Carson dropped out of the race, but how would these Republican candidates, what is their vision for U.S. and military Policy for the future as they move forward. What would they go through? Now, Donald Trump mentions a couple key people. He mentioned General Keene and a few others on his foreign policy. But who does he currently seek advice now? Who's right now advising Donald Trump? Who's advising Ted Cruz? Who's advising Marco Rubio? And I would say the same thing to Bernie Sanders and um, Hillary Clinton. Because if you go to Donald Trump's website, there's only five issues listed. Health care, taxes, China, immigration, Second Amendment. There's nothing on the Middle East. There's nothing on his dealing with Russia. There's nothing how he would deal with China beyond trade. And that's a whole other issue on that one. So how would we know But what his stances are? He needs to be challenged on this, and we all need to know because we've got too many problems overseas. Now, that said, very little was talked about some of the key, the core issues with the American economy. We can complain about President Obama's economy. Got it. There's a lot to say there. How would the Republican candidates deal with the national debt, which the biggest driver of the national debt is the entitlement program, which Compass is probably over 60 to 70%. That includes Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and interest on the debt. Now, my listeners need to understand, if interest rises, that increases the interest on the debt. How would these candidates deal with those issues? We talk about getting rid of these programs. But how practical is that when the new president takes office is not going to have the supermajority and the veto-proof majority that President Barack Obama enjoyed in his first year of office. How would a Trump, a Cruz, or a Rubio presidency deal with the Democrats on the other side? Now, you can complain about the Democrats, but Ronald Reagan worked with um, Speaker Tip O'Neill, a liberal Democrat, and they solved some of the most weightiest issues, but they could work together. They were challenged each other during the day. But when five o'clock came, they were good buddies. How would a Trump, Cruz, or Rubio presidency deal with those issues and deal with the issue, dealing with the work of the Democratic Party? The other question I want to do is look at the record of all three candidates on the Republican side: Cruz, Trump, and Rubio. Very little has looked at Donald Trump's business practices. Now he said he he's a great business guy. And that's going to bring his experience to the White House, but he filed bankruptcy four times. Now, when he filed bankruptcy on his business side, that gives you a chance to you know put your creditors at bay till you get things negotiated, then you can go from there. But how many small businesses went bankrupt because Donald Trump filed bankruptcy himself? Now, maybe he has the personal wealth to withstand that, but how many small businesses do? If you're a small business, you don't have two years to wait till you get paid. Now, I was a small, as a small business owner, I had a marketing company, a national reputable marketing company, help me out. And they, in my opinion, they grossly misrepresented what they were going to provide and do. Now, my lawyer says you have a good case, but they also said it would cost you more money to get what your money that you lost back. So basically saying, you just gotta eat it. Well that really hurt me to expand my business. So the question is, how many of those small businesses went broke? That needs to be looked at. So we really need to understand a Trump business, who he dealt with, how he dealt with it, and the kind of business practices he, he's in. Now many people will say, well he would hire the right people. Well, how do we know that? How do we know he would hire the right people? We're only assuming he would. So these are the questions we really need answers to, and we're just not getting that from the mainstream media. And I want my listeners, I want the listeners to Ubaldi Report, to challenge your political leaders, challenge Republicans, challenge Democrats, be informed, and not be so caught up in the rhetoric of what they're saying and how they say it, but really ask them, how are you going to do that? How are you going to accomplish the things that you say? Because we can't go another four years with a dysfunctional president that can't solve the problems of America. Now, we're going to keep continuing on this, and I'm going to keep challenging these candidates. So keep listening to Ubaldi reports. Go to Stitcher, go to iTunes, sign up. Let me know what you think. And I will try to answer those questions. but Or you can go to Ubali Reports, my website. Look at some of the articles I post. Leave um um remarks there. Go to my Facebook page at Ubali Reports, my Twitter page at Ubali Reports. Leave some questions there. And if you also have a chance, go to Barnes & Noble or any of the major bookstores like Bar, um, Barnes & Noble, or Amazon. I have a book titled The New Business Brigade, Why Businesses Need to Hire Veterans in the Untapped Resource They Represent. Keep listening to your Baldy report and again I admonish you challenge these political leaders because we will get the government that we get. Because if we don't take part, this is what we get. And sorry to say this, we're gonna regret the decisions if we elect a president that we are going by rhetoric and not knowing what they're going to do. So again, keep listening to your Baldi Reports. Tell your friends about it, and we'll stay tuned for the next report. Have a great time. Have a great day.